0: The word for this year is what? And I know that our pastors are very, very, very strict and keen on this word forward because it's impossible for you to move forward as an individual if you don't have a support system behind you. And sometimes it's really difficult to get people on your boat. Sometimes it's really difficult to get uh, friends to be on your boat. But the one thing that uh, I know for sure is that one of the hardest people to get in your boat is your family. I'm not sure why it is, but people that are your own flesh and blood, it can be very difficult to get them to see your point of view. It can be extremely, even more difficult to get them to see your heart. Amen? Right? We all come from the same place, right? My mom, my sister, my my brother, my dad, we might all have the same blood, but we can all be speaking different languages when it comes to communication, right? Okay, so we're going to play a game, okay? All right, I want you to take your arms, I want you to shake it out real quick. Okay, here we go. Stand up if you have ever felt like when you were talking to your family, you were talking to a wall. And if you're sitting down, I assume somebody in your family's deaf. Okay, take a seat. Stand up if something that you did not intend to be a problem really hurt somebody's feelings in your family. This could be a light joke at Christmas in 1968, and it's 2019, and she's still hurt. This could be something that um, you might have said under your breath to your son, thinking it was a joke, and now this is the way that he thinks. He's built his entire life on this one thing. Anybody been there before? Okay, take a seat. Stand up if there is someone in your family that you have not talked to in years, and you don't even remember why you're mad. I'll stand up. I've been there before there now. Thank you, brother. My my man. There you go. There's a whole bunch of people sitting that are like, no, I ain't going to do it because they're in the room. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Ready? You ready for this one? Stand up if you believe that God has something for your family. There we go. Okay. You can take a seat. So we're in this theme. Um, I'm sorry. We're we're in the, the series Building Families and our theme is construction. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know the first thing about construction. I don't know the first thing um, about power tools, drills, contracts, blueprints or anything like that. But what I do know is that the word of God is the perfect foundation and that God has really put a lot of things in the word of God. I'm sorry. God has put a lot of things in the Bible in his word to help us build our families. Absolutely everything that we need is in between the two covers of this book, and it's the manual. So what we're going to do tonight, hopefully, is that it'll be a practical look at what it means to play your role in your family. How many of you, you know you play a role? Wow. You play a role, it, and you, it's very defined, it's very specific. Sometimes you know if you don't show up, certain parts of conversation won't happen. Amen. Some of you, you know, if, I, if, if this person doesn't show up, it's going to be all hell and chaos. Some of y'all know if that person shows up, it's going to be hell and chaos, <laughs> But each and every one of us has a role in our family, and I want you to know one thing. Can you go to my slide, please? Oh, hold on. Each person in my family is essential. Can you say that? Each person in my family is essential. Say it like you mean it. One more time. Each person in my family is essential. It is so easy for us to have our feelings hurt, for us to have our hearts broken, or for us to become frustrated with family and to write them off. It's easier for us to check people off and leave them behind than it is to deal with the issue. Can I get an amen? Amen. But I want you to know one thing is that every single person in your family, my family, your family, the families that are listening by podcast or that are watching by Facebook, every single person in your family is essential to God blessing you because this is the wonderful thing about God. God's not just going to bless one person. He's going to bless the entire family because that's how God works. God, how many of you believe that this is a place of overflow? Right. God is a God of more than enough. And sometimes the blessing comes through a single person, which is probably you that's sitting here. Right. So I was, I was sitting um, the last couple of days trying to figure out exactly what I was going to teach this message that I'm teaching. I wrote it. Um, well, I didn't write it, but well, yeah. What do you call it? I, I conjured it. What do you say? Like I, I put it together, I guess. Me and God, I guess. Um, I wrote it about a year and a half ago while me and my family were going through, like, the first bout of transition in our family. Um, So, I turned 26, wow, 26 last week, but um, when I turned 24 years old, there was, like, this milestone that I hit, like, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, and, like, socially, that it was almost like a rearing in the household. Does that make sense? So, for those of you that may not know, there are, like, some cornerstones that every person hits like five years old, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, the first is when you can recognize that you're a person. This happens around like six to seven months where you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, there's actually somebody there. Oh, that per-. and like babies will start to recognize like, wow, I'm actually here, <laughs> right? Then about five years old, cognitively you start to actually learn things by by like voluntarily. Before then, you learn like how to breathe, you learn how to eat, and all these other things. But then by the age of five, you learn things that you like I have to actually put effort into learning. That's why we give kids toys that make them think. Put the square peg in the the round peg in the right? So then you get to the age of 13. Sometimes in girls, it's a little bit earlier, but 13 is like where this prepubescent age stage comes, where you start feeling yourself, smelling yourself, and now you're able to uh, basically procreate, but you're extremely immature. Then there's the age of 18, where in the world, it's the rite of passage, right? Like you're already an adult, which is not true, because we understand that the brain doesn't fully develop until 26, and you're not saved until you die. So... We know that, right? I was supposed to laugh at that. That's not funny. I hate how people are like, "Yeah, you're right. I ain't saving." Until- no. So at the age of 18, that's another rite of passage. But then there's another age. It's 21. At 21, legally there's some things that you can do. But at that point in time, if you haven't figured out who you are, it's a little bit too late. It's it's like and I'm, it's it's li- like you're you're a little bit behind the ball because by 21, you should already be making those steps leaving to cleave. You know what I mean? Like not leaving to cleave to a spouse or to someone that you're in love with, but leaving to cleave to your passion, leaving to cleave to your purpose, leaving to cleave to how you think about the world, because your parents at 21 years or whatever your foundation of knowledge is should have built you up to the point where you can now have your own knowledge base built on what you were were taught. So I turned 24 years old as I was writing this message, 24 years old. And it was at this point where like I wasn't I would disagree with my family, but I wasn't trying to be disobedient. So when I would say no, it wasn't like I was trying to like be defiant and stand straight up and say, like you're wrong, you don't know what you're talking about. But it was more so saying, like, I am an individual. And if you trust me and if you trust your parenting, you'll trust me. Because I watched a lot of my friends who didn't trust their kids. And in my head, I was like, so if you're the only person that they're learning knowledge from, is it that you don't trust your child or is it that you don't trust the job that you did with them? So in my mind, at 20 I'm sorry, I don't know how to like beat through the bush. We just set it on fire. So at 24, I'm sitting at home and we would get into like these arguments, not arguments, no arguments. We get into these arguments and in our family, we're communicators. So we don't yell, we talk very calmly and in long sentences. So it, very, it frustrates some people when we're arguing, because they think that we're talking, and it's literally like grenades and like arrows. You just don't know it. <laughs> Want me to give you an example? This is what'll happen. My dad would say like, I, I really, hold on, that's not right. I really just don't understand why you're speaking to me in the way that you're speaking. Could you please explain to me from where you're coming from? And people at the table are like, wow, they're so put together. And I'm sitting there like, you don't even know what's going on. <laughs> So 24 years old, I'm sitting in the house and my, my mother, and my father would come and tell me to do X, Y and Z with my finances, but I got a plan. I, I don't think it'd be in your best interest, Joshua, to spend $1,500 on shirts in the next six months. So what do I do? I know I have a passion to print t-shirts, even though I might have a lot of them in my basement. Do I say no and follow what they say or do I follow what I believe God told me and buy the shirts anyway? And if I buy the shirts, am I being disobedient or am I, follow, am I just saying no and moving forward? A lot of our families are stuck because we don't know how to interpret what people are doing. You, you, like, some people like in our families, they have roles that we don't understand the role that they're playing. So we misinterpret it and we see it as disrespect. Yes, so when somebody in your family cuts you off, you see it as disrespectful. Like Why are you cutting me off? But what they understand is I want to make sure you don't say something that you don't mean. So we have all of these stages and then we believe that by the time that we get to 25 or 26, like we're done maturing and we're done developing, maybe biologically and with anatomy, but we're always growing. We're always learning. Write this down. If you get to the point where you cannot learn anything about your family anymore, you've stunted the growth. If you ever get to the point where you believe you know everything, anything and everything about specific people in your family, oh, I know, that's just how dad thinks, you've automatically destroyed your relationship with them because now you've put a cap on who they can be and what you can know about them. So parents, your child is not the same at 21 as he was at 15. If you did your job correctly, they know how to think for themselves. They might still need some help. Right. They might still need some help, but but they know how to think because I can only I can only I can only be the the, I can only be the lowest common denominator of what my parents taught me. Right. Our pastors say it all the time. If you know nothing and you teach your children all that you know, what do they know? Nothing, Nothing. because I can't give you everything that I know. So if I give you nothing, you're getting half of nothing. So then like right, like even if you gave me everything in the world. I'm still only gonna get half of everything you told me. So if you give me half of nothing, I'm I'm doubly out of luck. (laughs) Have I set the foundation? Are we good? Okay, so what did I say before? Each person in my family is essential. Every single person in my family is essential. Those that have passed away, those that we think that are too far gone, those that are strung out, those that are in prison, those that are dead, those that are to, that are to come—they all are interwoven into the cloth that is your family. When you stand, when you're when you're here on earth, and, and you're standing like like you're standing in between like bad decisions, or you're or you're standing in front of uh, difficulty, you have to understand that it's not just you standing there; you're standing with everybody that's been there before you, behind you and you're pushing through something for all the people that are going to come before you. So every single person is essential when you're building your family. Does that make sense? Okay. so here we go. Number one, when we look at a work site, there are a couple of ground rules that um, I I, I wrote some scholarly articles regarding um, engineering. So I took engineering 101 for like two months. It was great while I was writing. And there are a couple of rules that I've that I've seen in all like the documents and like in all the TV shows and like and like all like the social media, like, you know, like how they, they'll, they'll show you how to like uh, fix a tub on Instagram in 60 seconds or they'll show you how to install, I don't know, floor tile in 60 seconds. So I watched a lot of those videos. So <laughs> this is the first thing. Can you read it? It says each person on a work site has a purpose. So that means if you do not, if you are not receiving a paycheck for this specific project, you have no business being on the work site. So if you do not have a specific role here, if you do not have, if you're not receiving a paycheck from the the site manager, there's no need for you to be here. In your family, if they do not have the blood running through, your blood running through their veins, or they do not have your last name, they do not have a right to be on your work site. Right. A lot of us have people that don't understand the, like, what the, the inner goings of our families trying to give us advice about how to run our families. Oh. The paycheck, like they don't, they don't have the authority to say things in our lives. Now, there are some people that God will bless you with, right, that will, that will use favor and that will step into your life and say, like, this is how you're supposed to do it. Or watch my family as we do it. But every other person that comes in and tries to give you advice, you ever got advice from somebody that you're like, who, who are you talking to? A lot of us, we build our foundations on people that don't even understand what we're going through. Well, Tammy said, what Jonathan said. I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's a joke. And we can build our entire lives off of what somebody else said. And that, 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 that creates a problem. Number two. Here's the second rule of work sites that I found in engineering. Each person is given autonomy to do their job. Once you come onto the work site, if my job is to hammer nails, I have the job to hammer nails. I don't have somebody looking over my shoulder telling me how to hammer nails. I don't have somebody trying to make sure that I watch a 20-minute video every day just to make sure that I have the capacity. I don't have somebody anybody ever been middle managed before? Where You taught me how to do. No, let let me go a step further. I was pre-qualified before you hired me. Now that you've hired me, you trade me to do the job. And now that I've been doing the job, you're trying to tell me how to do my job that you hired before that I was pre-qualified for. God has given every single one of us the pre-qualifications to be the leaders of our families. Sometimes you just got to do what you need to do. And as your family is complaining, they're being blessed in the process, (laughs) It happens with children all the time. You try to tell them what to do and it's for their good, but they keep complaining about it, and you don't say anything, and in your mind, you're probably thinking like, if they only knew how much I'm setting them up right now. Number three, here we go. Each person is trusted to do their job. Autonomy is allowing you I'm sorry uh, autonomy is allowing you to do your job, but then I also have to trust that what you're doing, that you're going to actually get, going to get it done. In every single one of our families, it's, it's extremely important that we know that we can trust one another. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm not going to be here with you always. Right. So everything that I taught you, I have to do what I have to trust that you're going to follow the same like the same blueprint and, and the same plan that I that I gave you when I was here. Right. I've talked uh, we've talked about it before that the best way to know if you've parented well is after you're gone. The best way to know if you parented well is when you're not there. The question is, am I the only one that's holding up the standard in this family? You can only go as far as you can trust your family. Have you ever heard the, the notion, like, I, can only, uh, I, can't, I can't trust them as far as I can throw them? That basically means that you can't trust people very much because it's not every day that you can pick somebody up and throw them. But it's impossible to build a family if you don't trust one another. It's absolutely impossible. Anybody? Okay, growing up. Did anybody ever break the trust of a parent? What was it like? It sucks. You don't understand. You do not understand trust until you break it. I, I'm a strong believer in it. You do not understand how much somebody loves you or how, some, how, how much trust somebody has with you until you have to rebuild it. Because rebuilding it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. And it takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of us are spending a lot of time not trusting people where we're spending a lot of time in our families. Because I've been there before. I'll be totally honest where uh, <laughs> I can get a Christmas present or a birthday present or get a text saying I love you. And I can't even receive the text message or the birthday present because I still don't trust what happened a couple months ago. But we haven't talked about it. So that's why you can like, like us, us as people, we, we can we can want so much to have our family have a conversation, but it's impossible to build with somebody on a work site if I can't trust you with a nail gun. If we're trying to build a house and I give you a saw, but I don't trust you, I'm going to be watching everything that you do. Every time you measure something, I'm going to try to like make sure it was done correctly. If I give you the keys to the crane, I'm probably going to want to be in the crane watching everything that you do just to make sure that you don't try to stab me in the back. In order for us to build our families, we have to have autonomy to do our jobs. We also have to trust that each person in this family is holding up the values that make this family what it is. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go to the next point. Number four, this is the fourth thing that I've seen, like in a lot of the things I've read and the movies that I've watched. Here we go. Each person is what? Expected to share with the team. At the end of the workday, each person has to either sign off on a sheet or they have to write up a, like an email or a report or a quota and they give it to the site manager. And basically what the site manager does is they take all that information, they compile it into a document and they do what? They send it to everybody else that's been working. That way, when they come back tomorrow, they don't repeat the work that they did the day before. Or so they can pick up from where they left off. Have you guys ever been in a place in your family where like you, you, you feel like you've like, like, I thought we beat this. Like, how are we back here? I, I thought we talked about this. Talking about something doesn't mean you fixed it. That was a good talk, but nothing was. We, we didn't do anything. We, we didn't do anything. Just because you nailed 100 nails into a board doesn't mean you built anything. You could have just nail them all into the ground. So the site manager has to take everything that every single department has come from, the welder, um, the, uh, the mason, the, the electrician. He takes everything that they've done and he puts it in a manifesto basically, like a, like a memo, and he sends it to everybody because everybody on your team needs to know what everybody's doing. Because if I don't know what, a, let's say like me, me, Chris, and Jenna, right? We're in a family. If I don't know what he's doing, I won't see what he does as important. It is it is very important in your family that you let your family know what you do and why it's important. Amen. I watched this video where uh, these two girls on Instagram, they had they had got caught like smoking and they got out of some guy's car weed. That is they got caught getting out of some guy's car and like they were in the bathroom, like snickering and like recording their mom on the outside of the door praying. I mean, and she was like going in like like spiritual warfare saying like. Like, this is not going to take over my family. And these these two girls were blessed. And like they, they are the they are the daughters of the most high God. And these two girls are laughing. And it's like if they understood the role that their mother is playing playing on the outside of the door. Right. Wow. Like, it, like <laughs> my mom says all the time, if you knew the prayers that I prayed for you, that you don't know about. There are like there are prayers that are being prayed for you that you don't even know there are car crashes that you should have been in that you don't even understand. You don't even know they happen. Right? Like, you you weren't even supposed to know. Like, this is what I love. This is what I love so much. And this is another message, but I got to go there. In the book of Eden, the reason why God didn't want the children, like, he didn't want Adam and Eve to eat from the, uh, the, the tree is because he didn't want them to know some things. Right. Like I talked about it before. He didn't want them to know divorce. He didn't want them to know sickness. He didn't want them to know hurt and pain. If you don't want your family to know hurt and pain, we have to listen to one another. When we're talking to one another, we have more respect for people that are meaning to do us harm than we do the people that we stay on the same roof with. We'll spend time, we'll spend money and we'll spend our energy with people that will curse us out and we'll laugh at it rather than the people that we share the same home with. Each person on a work site is expected to share. It's not you get a choice to tell me what you did today. This is why family dinner is so important. When we sit around this table, if we're trying to build something, once you sit down, it's not that you just get to eat and go up to your room. When you sit down, you are what expected to tell me what's going on. Right. That's good. My parents used to get to this point like we had to speak 20 words. We had to speak at least 20 words. There was this weird time. Like when we're 13, we're like dumb. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is, but we're like stupid. It's like dumb days, like dumb days are drug out. Like, <laughs> And he would, he would, my, my father would tell me because he, he would say, you have to speak to me because once you close the door to your room, I'm not there. A lot of us as children, we make sanctuaries in our rooms because it's private. It's quiet. And you won't walk in. Like, I know that if I go to my room, the conversation's over. I had a friend of mine who would have conversations with his parents and he would call her by her first name, first of all, red flag. Red flag. He'd be like, look, Cassandra. And I was like, whoa. I didn't even know my mom's name until I was like 12. Like, you're Lanelle? I thought your name was mom. Um, They had this conversation and like, he, he left me at the dinner table with his mom and he went upstairs and shut the door. And then like, it's weird because like she started like monologuing to me. I'm 13, I'm just trying to eat and play Xbox. I don't care about your guys' family problems. And she would say things like, you don't do that to your mother, do you? Wow. Like you wouldn't, like have you ever done that to your mother before? The first thing I thought was there ain't no way <laughs> to sit down at the table and get up. Like that's like disrespect. Right. <laughs> right. To not, I'm just being honest to for my parents to be talking to me and me not to make eye contact. I used to get whooped for that. Anybody else? Suck your teeth, roll your eyes. There was there was no there was no such thing. I was expected to be an adult at the table and to share with my family what I've experienced in that entire day. A lot of you, your Oh, my God. A lot of us as people. Sitting down at the dinner table is so difficult because the enemy understands if they get down and start talking, it might be over chicken, it might be over a a casserole, if that's what your family does, it might be over a pizza. But I think the enemy knows that if we get these people down and if they start talking about what happened with them at their day, a lot of the stuff that they'll be addicted at at 30 will be trumped at 12. Dad, I saw something on the computer this morning and it really made me it made me feel good, but I felt bad about it We could destroy pornography at 12 rather than having to deal with it at 45 A young lady can say somebody looked at me the wrong way at the grocery store today And I didn't feel good about it instead of having to be sexually assaulted later on and not having to say anything about it If we talk in our can I talk tonight if we talk in our families If we have conversations about the things that happen with us during our day, we don't have to keep starting over because that, the enemy doesn't win once, somebody, once one person strung out. The enemy doesn't win when one person is divorced. The enemy wins once your family has to start from the beginning. When grandmama and grandpapa did all this stuff for 70 years, I mean, they worked hard to own their home. They worked hard to get their citizenship into this country. They worked hard for that pension. And now you want to do something different. And like, what they did doesn't even mean anything. Somebody say, talk to your family. Talk to your family. You are expected to speak. It's not about how you feel. I don't feel like talking today. I never got to use that as an excuse. Like, I, don't, I don't get that. When my parents would ask me questions, like, I've never got the opportunity to say, like I really don't feel like talking today. What is that? I might have pertinent information that might save our family. You have to help your family, family you. You, you, you have to help your family by telling them what you know. If you're working on a work site and I know that Marvin did a terrible job of of framing this house, you did a terrible job of framing this house. But I allow us to go on doing the work. The house can collapse. And now who's responsible? Marvin and me. We're both responsible because you can be responsible for things you don't even know. That's why when you watch like the Oprah show or the Dr. Phil show and people are sitting there crying. Dad's 75 years old. His daughter's 50 and his granddaughter's like like 12. And they're like, we didn't know. How did a problem happen for three generations and nobody knew? It's because nobody said anything. If you were going to be a part of building this house in your family, you have to talk. Even contractors, people that we bring in to do a job just for a couple of days, they still have to tell us what they did. You can't let anybody up in your house do whatever and then walk out and not tell you and then have an attitude about telling you. We used to have a no lock policy. My dad would say no lock and we'd have to give him our phone. No questions. And if we hesitated, that means that there was something on it that shouldn't have been there. So we'd be sitting at dinner. (laughs) He'd be like, no lock. And he'd be like, oh. It, like that happened in a second. But like as a kid, those seconds are drug out. You're like, oh, maybe he won't find it every time they find it. Because transparency builds strength. If you're hiding something from someone, it's impossible for you to build. I think I've drug that one out for, for long enough. Let's move on. So let, let's read Romans twelve three through six. This is the Message Bible. Here it is. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. I think Jesus like Jesus was way before his time. I mean, well, he's not before his time because he never was. He always will be. He's just been there. But Jesus started to really break down what the family was to the Romans. Right. The Romans thought that when they took communion, that they were actually eating Jesus's flesh and drinking his blood. Right. So Jesus was like, okay, let me like fix this for you. Let, Let me explain to you. How the body works. Basically, he says that every single person that is in the church body, that each one of them gains their meaning from one another, not by themselves. So my worth isn't just my worth. My worth is a part of, who, of every single person in this room. The same thing goes for your family. The minute you are able to detach yourself from the entire body, you have to die. It's not that you will die. It's not that you may die. It's not you could die. No, it's if I chop your hand off, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I give it a like a like a blood supply. It doesn't matter if I keep it on ice at some point it's going to decay and it's going to die. So what the enemy wants is for you to become disconnected. It doesn't have to be physically, but we already talked about it. Communication. The minute we stop talking, that's like that's like a part of your body not receiving blood anymore. That's like your lungs not receiving air anymore. If I can get you to stop talking, I've taken over. So that's why the enemy uses very small things to keep us from talking. Very small things, like very small things. And then it gets to the point when the person wants to apologize. They don't apologize correctly for us to to receive it. Because I want you to hurt as much as you embarrass me. I want you to hurt as much as your words hurt me. Rather than dealing with this issue and building something, we, we just keep stirring the pot because you didn't make me feel like you were sorry enough. Can we go back, please? He says every single part of every single part gains its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body. Let's i mean, we don't mark. We don't cross Jesus out. But let's let's put your family there. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of the Williams body. But as a chopped off finger or cut or as a chopped off finger or a cut-off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So if I separate myself from the family, whatever they build and have success in, I can cut myself out of it. Because just because I'm not talking to mom and dad doesn't mean that Callie's not. And if she gets blessed because she stays in the family, I can't be upset with her. But... I know for me, there have been relationships that have not worked and I was the problem, but I didn't want to communicate because it takes, you have to be bold and you have to be extremely humble to do what? Say, I'm sorry. But it's so much easier to be upset and to hold a grudge with somebody else and hope that they say sorry. But this is a funny thing. God has this word called accountability and you know what's funny? It's always your fault. Look at your neighbor and say, it's always your fault. It doesn't matter if somebody shot you. Jesus said it, Jesus said it in Mark. He says, Man, that's crazy. Somebody slapped you? Give them the other cheek. What are you talking about? I've been assaulted. That's too bad. Give them another chance to get it right. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yes. That's good. Let's continue reading. So, so since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, look at this part. This is so funny. He says, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. So, if you're a father in your family, just be a father. Like we makes I, 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 now. I, I will say this as a caveat: I do not have children. I am not a father. But it, it's just it's he makes it so simple. If you're going to love your wife, just love her. If you're going to be a son, just listen to your father when he tells you what to do. Even if he's wrong, because God there's there's this thing called grace that God puts on top of everything that's underneath his word and grace. It it brings it makes the ends meet where you don't understand and they might be giving you the wrong information. Grace comes in and it bridges the gap in between it. So a lot of young men will come and talk to me. and They're like, man, my dad's crazy. I'm like, I don't doubt it. (laughs) My dad's not making any sense. I don't doubt that either. He told me to do something that's crazy. I'm I'm don't doubt that. Well, I'm not going to do it. Mm, I don't know about that one. So then they'll ask me like a, a crazy question. So if your dad told you to jump off a bridge, you would jump most definitely. Why? Because there's grace in my obedience, not in my actions. Like there, there, there's grace once I've made the decision to follow what I've been told, not when I do it. Because you can honor somebody, do all the things to honor them and it still be dishonorable. It's like me knowing that me and Miss Sophia have a terrible relationship, but I still invite her to my party just so that I can say that she was there. Mm -hmm. Honorable because I invited you, but dishonorable because I haven't fixed our issue before you come and celebrate. Does that make sense? So let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. So he says, let's just be who we're supposed to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. He says in another parable, if the foot has a problem with the hand, there's no way for the foot to chop the hand off. And if the foot were to chop off the hand, he has now hurt himself. Because we're all what? A part of a body. So getting even in your family, you might feel like, oh man, I, I told them. Anybody ever been there before? Like you knew what words to put where? It was like you were like a surgeon with your words. You made them feel this small. But then how do you feel afterwards? You feel bad because you're connected. We're family. There's no way for me to make my sister feel this small and for me to feel, be- feel good about it. And if I do feel good about putting her down, I have the problem, not her. Can we go back, please? So without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. So a lot of people ask me this question, well, what, what do you think about like, like homosexuality or what do you think about same-sex marriage? I don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion because in order for you to have an opinion, you have to have a system to fix it. I don't have an opinion. I just go off of what the word of God says. And you, you see that, that last sentence what did the last sentence say or trying to be something we aren't. I can't tell you who you are. Only God can, but I can love you. A lot of people don't want to hear that. Well, that person might like the same sex. That's not my that's not my job. My job is to show them the love of Jesus Christ and to teach them what I believe is truth good. in the same way in your family. Your job is not to beat truth into your family's head. Your job is to live what God showed you. Yes. So what do you think about such and such? I don't think I just read the book. Right. That's like asking somebody when they're assembling a desk. Well, what do you think? If you think too much, you're going to assemble it incorrectly. But if you follow the directions and you assemble it wrong, you, you're not responsible. You can say, hey, this is what the sheet said, I just did what it said and it didn't work out. Yeah, good. We good? Yes, okay, here we go. So you're probably wondering, who are the authorized personnel? You ready? Uncle Kevin, Chris, Uncle Steve, I know I'm missing some, so don't jump down my throat. And Elder Chris Butler, don't, please, don't, please don't jump down my throat. Number one is the site manager. This is the person that hires you. This is the person that gives you your job. This is the person that gives you your orders. And this is the person that pays you. This is the person that gets the project and goes and finds the best equipped people to do the job. Uh oh. Is that me? Number two is the contractors. These are individuals that have, that have specific skills, specific characteristics about them that they do well. And you want to know something about them? They might be a jack-of-all-trades, but they only master one thing. Right. I mean, I can do some electrical work, but I can frame a house. I, I might do some plumbing. I might do some plumbing, but I know how to do roofs. So you always hire contractors for what their strong suit is, not what they can do. That's good. You don't, you don't, you don't hire somebody for what they do secondary. When I go to the barber, I don't find the barber that can do a hairline. No, dog. Mm -mm. Hairlines should be what you do, not what you can do. So when I'm looking for a mate, I'm looking for someone who can, who is a wife, not who can be. When I'm looking for somebody to build my life with called friends, I'm looking for somebody who is a friend. Not, oh, I could be your friend if you need me to be. Because that comes with contingencies. For a contractor, that means that once it's raining outside, you just don't show up. Or if I'm late on the paycheck because something happened in our internal system, you just don't show up to work because I didn't pay you. Does that make sense? Yes. Mighty quiet. Number three, framers. These individuals, they, they, like it's so cool, Have you got? and it's about to happen, probably once the ground starts to get a little bit softer and it's not frozen, but I guess we're supposed to get like 8 to 13 inches in the next couple of days. Once the ground starts to get warm and pliable, they start putting out boards and they start framing homes. Like you start to see the skeleton of the home, right? Like what you you can almost start to see, like, oh, that's gonna be a bathroom. Oh, that's gonna be such and such. That's gonna be the master bedroom, right? Here's the next part. The plumbers. The people that run the pipes throughout the entire house, or the entire house at least has water, and all the bad stuff can get out of there. <laughs> Thank God for plumbing. Number five is the electrician. We need light, we need heat, we need energy so that we can plug up our phones, (laughs) so that we can have an alarm clock so we don't have to lie and be like, my alarm clock didn't go off, there was a power outage. Anybody ever had that before? With a power outage, it resets your clock. I use it as an excuse every time, it's awesome. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. Here we go, number six, we have masons. These individuals create cement. They, 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 they build foundations. They build bricks. At the end of everything, the masons are the ones that put the brick on the outside of the house. It's like the finishing touch. It's, it's what makes the house... Um, to you, it looks pretty because it's all brick. But to the mason, now the house is fortified. It, it, ha- it has meaning. It has purpose. It, it's, this is the end of the project. And then last, we have welders. They, they, they fuse things together. They bring two parts that really don't make any sense. And with enough heat and enough pressure and enough energy, they, they, they bind them together. Now, if you know me with analogies, I got something for each one of these. Are you ready? Yes. You sure? Yes. Here we go. The site manager. They guard all activity and oversee everything in the family. If you're the site manager, your family comes and talks to you because this, they'll say things like this. Well, you're going to listen to me. Or you won't judge me. Or if you're the oldest son or the baby, the, the, the baby child, well, you aren't going to tell mom and dad. They trust you because it's your job to oversee all of the activities in the house. For some of you, it's a two-parent household. You guys are the site managers. You see over everything that happens in the house. For some of us, it's a guardian. Some of us, we adopted. Some of us, we're, we're single parents. But there's one person in every family that everybody feels comfortable talking to, right? The second, the contractor. These are friends and family that are brought in only for seasonal work. Can you say seasonal work? work. That means we got a problem. Can you come help us? That means that this project has a beginning and an end date. When the end date is done, your contract is up and please excavate the premises. I only need a framer for the first two months of the job. If you're here by month three, I don't know what you're doing here. For what you're building, you will bring contractors in, family and friends, people from the outside to come and help you in seasons, but they're not supposed to be there their entire project. Does that make sense? Here we go. Number three, framers. This person sets up the boundaries and supports and, and he sets up the boundaries and the supports for all activities. Every family has a referee. Every family has a referee. Once the conversation starts getting heated, mom says, hey, who he wants to play Jenga. Hey, I made cookies. And like, she hasn't made them yet. She just wants to, like, like this is, this is has change the subject. Or, yeah, this is actually your father's, and there's nothing on the wall. Look at this painting. Like, Mom, we bought that at Costco. But isn't it pretty? Like, they, they do their best. Sometimes it's to take the attention off of what's, like, confusing. But their job is to basically set the parameters of how we communicate. The Thomas has talked about it on, on, um, on Sunday. This person makes the rules of how the family communicates in peacetime. It's impossible for you to make conversation, uh, make rules about how your family conducts themselves when you don't know how to conduct. Right. Right. I don't teach you how to run a train when it's off the tracks and going 200 miles per hour. Right. I teach you on a track where I have complete control right. and where I can stop it whenever. Right. Good. Number four, plumbing. These folks, every, every, I'm telling you, every single, every single family has somebody like this. The plumber creates outlets for release. You might be that person. The minute you see the phone call, it turns into waterworks. Literally, waterworks, plumbing, you get that? You're the person that everybody vents to. Ever been there before? Why is it every time somebody talks to me, it's their life story? And they they don't expect me to fix it. They just want to throw up on me. As soon as you open the phone. ah, I can't believe they did that. And then at the end, you say, well... I'm so sorry. Man, thanks for listening, bro. It's like, that, that was it? How many of you, you're that person in your family? I can't believe mom did this. I, I'm sorry. Man, I just figured it. Thank you so much for listening. You don't even know how you helped. <laughs> you sat there for an hour, put them on mute and cooked, vacuumed. You do so many unnecessary things when you're on the phone. Like, you just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Here we go. Next one. The next one is the electrician. This person gives life to the family and revitalizes the family. This is the person on vacation that creates an itinerary. We went on vacation once with a family that had an itinerary that started at 730. When I tell you, I wanted to fight them. But it was one of the best vacations ever because we never had to think about what fun was coming next. And if what we were doing at eight o'clock wasn't fun, they had like three other options to do. One of, the, one of your roles in your family, it might be somebody sitting in this room. Your job is to bring life to the family. When there's, a, when there's a moment where everything is dead or where it feels like we can't go anywhere, they're the ones that make you laugh like in the midst of your enemies. Right? Like you're at a funeral and it's really sad, but you got that one person as soon as they walk through the door. I got a favorite cousin. I'm like, cuz, what's good? I, we don't even have to talk. It's just the presence that when you walk into the room, God walks in with you and brings the happy. The next is the Mason. This person protects the family with their words and actions. This person is also the one that will speak their mind easily. Remember Masons, they work with concrete. They work with hard materials because at the end of building a house, they're the ones that put the brick on the end of it. How many of y'all? That's you. My words might be hard, but they're, but they're necessary. I'm not an electrician. I'm not here to make you feel good and like give you energy and joy. I'm a mason. My job is to put brick on this house so it doesn't get blown over. Come on now, yes. come on. Yes, sir. And I use hard material. Remember the three little pigs? Remember? The first one made his house out of what? The second one made his house out of what? And the, and the third one made it out of what? Brick. And the first two were just happy. Like, aren't y'all going to build something sustainable? No, nah, bro, we want to play this flute, dog. we going to make music. So I built my house out of straw. What about the other one? Man, you ain't going to build nothing fortified. No, nah, dog. I want to play this, this flute, though. Yeah. So I'm going to build my house out of sticks and be done with it. But then what happens? When the wolf comes to blow down the other two houses, where do they run? And that pig is really mean, right? He's only mean when you don't need him. But once you need him, you're glad that they put up. You're glad that they put the time in to make the bricks. A lot of us young people, you're listening by podcast or you're sitting in this room. You don't like your parents because they're masons. Their job is not to make you feel good. Their job is to put bricks on the outside of you so that when the enemy comes to try to attack you, when they're not there, you can't be easily blown over. I just made an analogy out of three little pigs. That's crazy. That's crazy. Man, give me some. That's that's me. We told you I could do it. Amanda said, you could probably make a sermon on three little pigs. I did it. You owe me (laughs) a (laughs) dollar Or lunch tomorrow on you. The reason that Masons are so important, they come at the end of it. You don't put bricks on the inside of the home. You put bricks on the outside of the home when a baby is born. You don't just start fathering them right there. What happens? They, they have to suckle. They have to be with the mother. They have to be in that, that nice, warm, soft place where they get life, where they, where they get like reassurance. Like, oh, my God, you're the most beautiful thing in the world. And then what happens when you hand them off to dads? Like, all right, you've been loved on. Now it's time to go shovel snow. <laughs> but I thought you were supposed to love on me. Mm-mm. Jesus even said it this way. He said, I will not be with you always. So you need to take heed of what I'm telling you because I'm not going to be here all the time. The three little pigs, your houses are not always going to be here, but my house stands forever. So in your family, don't ever feel bad for being the mason. As long as you're not a tyrant, you don't beat people with the bricks you make. You build foundation for them. Somebody needs to write that down. You're strong to support your family, not to make them feel bad about themselves. Your words Cut like a, like a, like a iron sword. That's like, f- like red fire, not so that you can hurt someone, but so that you can actually build them up. Yes. Right. I have this thing when people come and talk to me like, well, this is how I feel about X, uh, such and such, blah, 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 blah. And this is how I feel. And at the end, if you know me, you already know what's going to come out of my mouth. Did you tell them? Right. <laughs> well, no. Then why are we talking? Well, I just thought I could vent to you because if you're venting to me about your dirt, I don't know who else you're talking to. That's right. But for those of us that are Masons, I tell you what I need to tell you because I love you. I never understood that. I never got that. My granddaddy would say some things. and I'd be like, dog, like what? <laughs> Go to my granny and be like, yo, this dude crazy. And she's like, yes, he is. That's why I married him. <laughs> right. So she would love on me, but he would give me like the hard stern. This is what it is. But you should never feel bad for for, uh, for being the Mason. Amen. We good? Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. Last one is the welder. This person brings the family together and fortifies them. I don't know what it is about mothers. I don't know what it is about sisters or just the women in your family, but they have this way of mending things without saying anything. How many of you, you know, okay, think of your your favorite food that your mom makes. Even if she's gone, if she's not here, you know what it is, right? Raise your hand. What happens when you smell that? Okay, okay, close your eyes. How many of you know, he might be gone, he he might be passed away, he might live a thousand miles away, but how many of you remember what your grandfather smells like, smelled like? Raise your hand. Now, how many of you have ever smelt it while walking like in the mall or out somewhere? How does that make you feel? You are instantaneously taken back to what, like, whoa. Like, some people in our families, in your family, your job is literally just to bring everybody together. I don't care what what happened 25 years ago. We all need to be at the dinner table at Thanksgiving. I don't care if y'all throwing forks at each other. I don't care if y'all setting each other's kids on fire. If they're going to be on fire, they're going to be sitting at the end of this table. (laughs) I'm telling the most important thing is that we're together. Anybody like that? Yes. It's really weird because Callie's not in the house right now. And, like, I'm starting to get what my parents were talking about, like, when I would leave the house and my mom would do, like, the whole, like, I just feel unkept. Like, I just, I just, something, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, Callie came home this weekend and, like, I saw her and I was my mother for a second. I was like, huh, what happened this weekend? And my mom said, ah. I was like, no, 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 it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> ah, nope. I don't care i don't care what happened because I, I used to put up this front like i don't care about callie because she's callie's a mason She is. She is. callie's a fortified mason <laughs> y'all ever watch lord of the rings the dwarves that work with the molten rock yeah. that's callie without a beard <laughs> hard but her words build you up but you just don't see it until after it's cooled down it's hot once it touches you but once it cools down you see that it's important does that make sense yeah. each person in your family is important is this good Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. So where does it go wrong? I'm going to give you these really quick. On work sites, there are a lot of things that happen. They're called contingency flaws, where each construction site has to take out insurance while the project is going. That basically means if I'm building a skyscraper, they literally write it in their contingency plan. We have insurance to take care of at least five families, not if, but when five people die not if, when they die. When they were building like the World Trade Centers or like when they were building like these giant skyscrapers, they have an insurance policy that covers them for so many bodies. So in your family, when you're building, it's not if something happens, it's when. We still have faith that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask or think. But we also have to think logically and practically. My son will never go through anything. He is the blessed of the Lord. He's going to love God his entire life. And then he starts drinking and we give up on him. No, 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 no. When it happens, we have to have a plan for it. When, that's good. Not if. Right. Whenever you go to law, this is something my sister was, te- uh, was teaching us. When you go to law as a lawyer, you have to be okay to lose every case that you take. So when I take on your, your, your case, I have to believe that I'm going to lose the case just as much as I'm going to win. Because then I'm able to lawyer from both sides of the table. As a family, we need to be able to family on both sides of the table. When we walk into a situation, we need to see the hell and the heaven of both situations, live in both, but still have faith in God that everything's going to be fine. So here are some here are some ways that the plan that you have for your family will go will go wrong. I'm going to go through these really quick. I got some questions for you. Number one, communication. They talked about it on Sunday, did an amazing job. But your entire foundation can be destroyed just based off of a misunderstanding. A misunderstanding, like I didn't, what I told you, like you didn't even come and ask me what I meant, but now we're frustrated. Number two, expectations. You ever like expected something and not told somebody and then, or or expected a gift from someone and not got a gift from them, but you never told them that you wanted a gift and now you hurt, you didn't get me a gift, I didn't know you wanted one. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. I'm only dating, but if she says she don't want nothing, get her something. Number three, filters. You don't talk to people from your standpoint. You talk to people from their filter. I know that there are only key words that my father were here, So I don't talk to him about how I feel. I talk to him from how he listens. Like on a computer, like if you want to find, like if you have a document of a thousand words, you control F and you say end. And it'll show you every word that has the letters E N D in it. When you communicate with people, you have to use the words that they understand. Thomas has talked about it on Sunday. You don't talk to a five-year-old in APA MLA citation. You don't talk to them. You talk to them like they walk like, like on Mickey Mouse. How are you doing today? Man, that's crazy. That's awesome. I hope you had a good day. That's the end of the conversation. That's it. Here we go. Next. Past expectations. Your entire family foundation can be destroyed based off of what somebody thought was going to happen. Just because God showed us something 10 years and we're not here and we're not there now 10 years later doesn't mean that your expectations should change. Well, daddy, you said we'd be in a bigger house and actually we lost some. That doesn't mean that God isn't changed. Just make sure that you tweak your expectations of the family. Next. Your perspective. If there's six or seven people in a family, if there's two or three different people in a family. You have to understand that you might all be looking at the same situation, but you see it differently. And instead of that being a flaw, that's the most beautiful thing in the world. Because now we're able to attack a problem from six different angles rather than just from one. That's why communication is so important. That's why, have you guys ever been that place? Like we'll, we'll sit at the table as a family and we're like, I don't know, all of us will sit there and be like, I don't know what's going on with us, but I feel like something's trying to get us. And then one person will say something. Well, this is what happened to me. And then mom will be like, wow, that's crazy. Something similar happened to me two weeks ago. And then my dad will be like, well, I had a dream. And we think it's insignificant when it happens to you, but now you hear other things that justifies it. And then I'll say like, man, that's crazy. Like none of that's been happening to me, but like just, just, just tell me what's going on. Your perspective can free your family because you see the problem differently. Amen? Amen. Next. Love languages. Listen, there are five of them. My mother's top love language is what? Do you know what it is? It's quality time. I'm 26 years old. I don't like being at home. But she has fun with me just being home. I don't even have to be in her space. It's just the fact that I'm home. And anytime I leave, she thinks, like, I don't care about being at home. Well, you just don't like being here. No, I have class. <laughs> oh, you just don't like being with the family. I have work. Because <laughs> she's not, like, you know, what I'm like I, I have other places to be. Another place is this. I know that if I give my sister a gift, she could really care less. Woo, Some shoes. She wants to be talked to. Feed me with your words. That's how I receive. Wow. So you need to do your due diligence in realizing how your family receives love. Because you can be talking at your family all day. Man, I love you. I adore you. Blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, just give me a hug. Because right. what you're saying doesn't mean anything. And I'm not going to hear anything until you touch me. But some of y'all, y'all bougie. I don't want to hear nothing. Where the paper at? (laughs) It's important to know and learn your family because it's going to help you with a lot of your issues. I know with my dad, I can't give him a gift if I do not speak to him. And you cannot walk into our house without speaking to him because his love language is the security he receives through words. So some people, you need to look at them and say, I love you. Look at the person on your left and right and say, I love you. All right, that's your practice. Do it when you get home. All right, last one, last one. Unauthorized personnel. We, this, is, this is like a, a twist on the title. Sometimes it goes wrong when you have the wrong people in the wrong conversations. Did you know that you have permission to kick people out of your house? Did you know that? Did you know that when there's something that arises in your family that's a problem, the minute it's a problem, you can like, like, okay, we're done here. We're going home. You know that you can do that? You know that you can have a family reunion with like 30 people there and be like, whoa, we talk about something. (whistles) Wrap it up. We leaving. You have the authority to remove your family from any situation and you don't have to explain yourself to nobody. To anyone in the grocery store. I don't think you should talk to him that way. We need to go because I'm about to get a charge. yo. (laughs) We need to go. Okay, here we go. None of these points exist without each other. You cannot build a house without a welder. You cannot build a house without a framer. And you definitely can't do it without a site manager. If you try to, you're going to build a tree house rather than a mansion. And God wants you to build the most beautiful structure for your family. Does that make sense? So, okay, you don't need that. Let's talk. Here we go. You guys ready? Is this good tonight? Okay, here we go. So, these are the two questions I want you to ask yourself. I know that you have homework, but I want us to spend like just 10 minutes in the room. Let's think about these two questions. Ready? Read the first one. Who plays what role in your family? Who plays what role in your family? Tell the truth. I'm the Mason. Everybody hates me, but I get stuff done. I don't know how to deal with issues. I'm the electrician, but I just make everybody laugh. And you might think that's unimportant, but it serves its role. What's a house without electricity? Cold. Then what's the second question? What positions are missing in your family? And if you're not married, or if it's not your family, if that's a little bit too much, think about your personal life. Because the same things that it takes to build a house with the contractor, the plumber, the framer, takes to build your life. So what friends are you missing? Do you need a friend that knows how to frame? Do you need a friend that knows how to build boundaries around your life? Do you need a, a, a friend that's a site manager that can fund your dreams? Does that make sense? First question, who plays what role in your family or what role do you play in your family or in your relationships? Second role is what positions are missing? What do you need to get to where you're going? So Ms. Creighton asked me a question. She said, well, what if I am all of those things? Because earlier, remember I said, um, I had mentioned that you you might be good at a lot of different things, but you're only good at one thing, right? Like you might be able to do a whole bunch of things, but this is what you do. So this is the answer that I gave her. So if you look at two different two different sides, you might want to write this down. It's gonna be the last thing we talk, and then I'm, we're gonna pray. We're gonna get you out of here. This is what it is. I want you to draw a line in the middle of your paper. Then I want you to draw a circle on both sides. Thank you, Lord, for this analogy. Thank you so so much. I want you to draw a circle on both sides of that paper. Line in the middle. On the left side, I want you to write can. C-A-N, like Campbell's, Mm mm-mm, good. On the other side, I want you to write have to. And on the line in the middle, I want you to put the word privilege or opportunity. This is how I explained it, and this might answer the question. I hope it answers, and if not, I hope that the Holy Spirit really gives you what you need, because I'm not perfect. I I reduce myself to not knowing anything that that keeps me safe. I don't know everything, and I'm I'm learning so much, and I'm young and all that other stuff. So this is what it is. For me, I can be a welder, a mason, and all of those other things, but I don't have to be. Did anybody get me? I can be a site manager because I have a great site manager, which is my father. I can be a welder because my mother is a great welder, and she's taught me, but she's the welder but i have the opportunity and the privilege where i don't have to be all of those things right. this is so good for some of you in your family you're on the opposite end of opportunity you're on the opposite end of privilege and you have opportunity because you have to be all of those things right. <laughs> i'm building a house but i have other people that i get to build a house with right. for some of us you're on the opposite end, and the house will not be built unless you go to work and be all five. So there's a difference between I can be all of these things, but I don't have to. But I honestly believe for those of you that have to, God gives you a certain, he gives you a different, for a mother to be both a mother and a father, at the, like that, there's like a, I don't, I, like I don't understand it. When somebody tells me my mom raised us, I know my parents had trouble raising me both together. It took a village to give you what you see here. People in this room, there's probably people I don't even know about. So if you can do all of that with one person, there's a, there, I'm speaking to somebody. There's, there's a grace. There's a grace and a mercy that God put on you. To, if you have a blended family where you have people in your house that are not your children, but you're able to father them and there there's. Like, God puts something on top of you where you have to be all of those things, but he gives you the grace to do it. Does that make sense? So I have the privilege that I don't have to be all those things. It's like a smorgasbord. And I I, I can't apologize for that because that's just where I come from, where I I don't have to think about electricity. I don't have to be a perfectionist in that because somebody else is. But if you're on the opposite side and you have to, I just honestly believe that there is like an untapped opportunity for God to just give you everything through the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? If you're doing it without the perfect family blueprint, I'm, I'm telling you, you amaze me. That, people people uh, uh, jumping out of buildings without a parachute or people eating 10,000 burgers is not surprising to me. People that walk in church and their family is a mess and they walk out in a year and their family looks better than the people that have been there for years, That's I'm like, okay, That needs to be in the Guinness Book of World Records.